Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Cast, episode 631. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs founder Michael DeLeon. In this episode, Mike and I will discuss some takeaways from Media Day and the first few days of training camp. Then we'll dive into some of the highlights from the mega article Zach Lowe of ESPN wrote on the Spurs. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Mike. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Media, media Day is over. Training camp has started and preseason is just right around the corner, so I'm actually kind of getting excited that everything is getting ready to, to to start back up again. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too for um you know for 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 training camp starting and everything like that. One of the funniest things that I, and we're about to talk about in our first topic here is like is like trying to parse out any kind of like little nuggets of information you can get from the from the quotes because right. you know it's like a lot of like oh you know excited for the team and it's like just like all the first day uh, yeah, training camp answers. kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, so like there's little little hidden nuggets in there. So I really like I'm, 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 like I do like um I really listen to the audio of the players and the coaches and try to really pick out any little nuggets that like give us any kind of like information of how the team's actually forming aside from like the, you know the the the, the very um, the, the normal quotes that they give. So let's go ahead and dive right into that Mike Media Day and Trading Camp for our first topic. So uh, one of the big takeaways that Coach Pop and some of the players mentioned was increasing tempo. They want to play fast with this young team now that you know some of the veterans are gone, like like Demar Derozan, uh, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills. So so here is a quote from Coach Pop on Media Day. He says, "They're young, energetic. They have a lot of speed. There's no need to pace yourself. Nobody's going to play 39 minutes a game. We're not worried about stats or individual honors or anything like that." He says, it's going to be simple, simple, simple stuff. Play fast, but hopefully smart. Uh, Devin Vassell also mentioned this as well. He says, I feel like we're going to surprise a whole lot of people. I feel like we're going to be getting up and down the court fast. We're going to be playing a lot of defense. Uh, and so, you know, this is this is something interesting to watch is that the fact that, yes, now that they have a bunch of young players, no more veterans kind of in the way to, to slow them down, uh, the, Spurs, the, the, Spurs, the Spurs do want to use their youth and their speed as their advantage here. And we know that that's something they really weren't able to do uh, last season. So when we look at some stats here, last season they were league average in pace um, uh, per the NBA's data. According to Cleaning the Glass, they were 22nd in frequency of plays in transition uh, yeah, against, uh, according to Cleaning the Glass. But what's interesting, Mike, is that when you take out DeMar DeRozan and you put uh, DeJounte Murray and Derek White on the floor, this is uh, using Cleaning the Glasses system, 15.8% uh, of their plays were in transition. That would have equated to being sixth best in the league in terms of being one of the quickest teams in, 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 in possessions uh, in, in the in the, in the in a what I say transition here, so and that's that's on a, a a pretty good sample size of 499 possessions. So so what are some of your thoughts about Coach Pop and the players saying they want to play fast, and the fact that some of this data does support that yes, now that some of these veterans are gone, this team might be able to do that. Yeah, it's funny because I was kind of like trying to gauge uh, things and and people's feelings and stuff, and I mean obviously there's going to be the people that don't like a lot, and just because they don't. 
But then, to me, I, th- I thought, you know, for as much as, as pop is, uh, or people talk about pop begrudgingly, like using younger players, to me it seems like he's kind of like completely changed, or, or I, don't, I don't think anybody can be upset now. It seems like he's just like accepting that, hey, this is the team they have, these are the strengths they have, and then they've got to use them. And so he realizes that, you know, obviously the pace is going to change. They're definitely going to be you know, more faster, faster pace and, and I guess using their athleticism and their speed and things like that. I mean, that, that's good to see. Uh, but when it, when you break it down, I mean, it goes back to just like he said, just back to fundamentals, being simple, not getting too ahead of themselves. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, some of the things I've seen from a lot of uh, players training camp, they seem really excited about doing this. And, and sure, it may not equate to, like, a 50-win season or anything like that, but at least they'll get to see kind of where they're at and, and they'll get to measure themselves, you know, as a young team and, you know, see exactly what they need to do uh, moving forward. I mean, the the numbers you pulled out, especially that one with Murray and White, I think that's interesting, especially because I think we'll see a lot of them together actually this season. And, you know, I think they'll try to extend the defense into the offense and try to make that a little more fluid instead of like a half court. And I think with the, the personnel they had last year, that 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 worked more for like a half court offense where uh especially when Aldridge was part of the team, I mean obviously you're gonna slow it down, you're gonna get down to him and pass out if he needs to. DeRozan is gonna, you know, go for that mid range. Now they have a team that built a lot differently, even though, you know, it's it's the same players, but people in different roles, uh I think it's it's uh, for sure interesting. And I think the whole thing about him it, it about, you know, not knowing uh who are going to give the ball to? So that's something we talked about pretty early in the offseason. Like, okay, well, who's going to step into these new roles now? Now that there's some defense have one that they really wanted to go to this like youth movement for some time now. Okay, well, now you have questions to answer. Now we'll have to see how this plays out, and it's going to require some patience, but it'll be interesting to see how, I, I think for the first time in years, uh, how it's going to take somebody to step into a completely different role than they're used to. You know, before it was uh, Aldridge or DeRozan, it was Kawhi, and before that it was, you know, Tim on Tony. So now it's going to be completely new. So uh, I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Yeah, and so like you just mentioned there, you know, Coach Pop is is basically adjusting the team based on on the strengths and weaknesses. So we know that you know one of their weaknesses is going to be in the half court. You know, now that the, now that DeRozan's gone, they no longer have that player who can kind of break down a defense for them. Uh, those young players, and it's going to be on, the, on their shoulders. So, so the the best advantage is to try to get out and run before the defense can set up in the half court against you uh, if you're the Spurs. And then um, yeah, it's just a lot of things that you, that you mentioned there. So so it's just kind of Pop adapting. And so this is this is going to be interesting to see. You know, how, how does he how does he create uh, the, the team? You know working with them in terms of um without having like that dominant superstar who can kind of take over or like you know break down a defense for you uh with, with all those past players gone like you mentioned who, who they usually used to who, who were their go-to players uh and you kind of just just kind of mentioned this you know one of the quotes from pop that, that, that kind of stuck out to me was how he's excited about just not knowing what's going to happen especially in close games he basically said it's exciting i have no idea who i'm going to give it to or what play we're going to run so so when we look back at last year in terms of clutch situations we know that derozan was their main player that they went to down the stretch uh he took the most field goal attempts in clutch situations 
Collins, 93. Then behind him was um, DeJounte Murray, 45. And then from there, it's kind of like lower numbers. It's Patty Mills, 28. Keldon Johnson, 26. And then Rudy Gay, 25. Derek White, 16, probably because he, he didn't play that much last year. And then Lonnie was at 13. So again, now that three of those guys are gone and, and DeRozan, um, Mills, and, and Rudy Gay, it's gonna be, it, it is exciting to see you know, who, who, does, who, who basically takes over uh, in, in the clutch there. Did you have any more comments about that? No, I mean, I, and I just think that right now it, it seems like early on uh, they'll probably go to DeJounte early just mm-hmm. and at least put the ball in his hands just because he's somebody that's got kind of the trust and and then they'll see where it goes from there and then they'll eventually figure out, you know, uh, who they can put in those positions. Uh, but, yeah, early on I expect to see a lot of uh, DeJounte being the guy that has the ball in his hands and him making decisions to, you know, help the team in those late-game situations. But... Again, it's 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 not you know it, it's kind of one of those situations where, especially like last year, you always pretty much knew it was going to go to to um, Demar, and now it's kind of like okay, well, there's a lot of options. Who's going to go to? Who's going to step up into that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then basically, this last part of, of this first topic is just kind of like kind of what I'm calling small nuggets of information, where the like little things that I've kind of picked out of some of the quotes by the players that kind of stuck out to me. Um, and so, so one of them is that Jakob Pertl basically made it sound like when he was um, being interviewed that basically a lot of the offense is going to be on the shoulders of, of Dejounte Murray and Derek White. So this is really going to be those two players, their chance to really see if they can pop and go to that next level. Um, you know, um, you know, I don't know what that level is going to be. Uh, in, in terms of learning how to, how, to, how to really carry the team on, on their shoulders. So I, I, I feel like that was something that stuck out to me in terms of Jakob's commentary. Um, Jakob also said that he, he wants to increase his scoring load a little bit. So we know that he scored a little bit more yes, last year. He was a little bit more aggressive. And so he wants to continue to carry that on. Now, he didn't say like you know he's going to start shooting threes or anything like that, but he just basically said that, yes, he wants to continue to, to pr- provide that rim protection on defense. But in the offensive end, he does want to become more of a scoring threat and help out the, help out the other players as well there. Um, Jock Landale uh, mentioned that um, at the moment, he's, he, he was quoted as saying um, uh, Jakob Pertl and Drew Eubanks are, are controlling the five spot at the moment. And the reason why I bring this up is because last week when I talked to Josh Paredes, um, uh about this, you know, we were, we, we were asked the question, we were ta- discussing, you know, who's going to be the, 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 the backup five. And Josh and I were, you know, just saying how it's either going to be Eubanks or, or Jock Landale since Zach Collins is, is injured to start the year. And so sure enough, it looks like kind of something we both agreed on that, like, it looks like Eubanks is probably going to get that backup five spot initially. And we'll see if, if Jock later on uh, kind of takes it from him. And then lastly, uh, you know, Keldon said he's he's worked on all aspects of his game, but he really mentioned that that one of the key issues where he wants to work on was his outside shooting. So we'll see if, if that's kind of flourished and and if he's going to be okay with taking um, those those wide open threes, which he struggled with a little bit last year. And that's why a lot of defenders left him open from the outside. So I know that's a lot of information, but what what what, what sticks out to you there from those small nuggets of information? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jakob's always one of the guys I've seen as kind of like a part of the future of the team, and uh, so I mean, I. I'm not too surprised to hear him say that first he, he wants to be involved in the offense more, and I think he'll have that opportunity, especially playing some pick and roll with a, whoever is the primary ball handler. Um, and then the fact that it's going to, you know, going to run through uh, DeJounte and Derek, I mean, it's not surprising. I think one of the, they are both players that have received extensions over the past two seasons. And so, you know, I think that, you know, that's that's going to be kind of a good test. I'm kind of a litmus, litmus test and kind of see, I mean, you may not see exactly, but my on a test and get a, a feel of where their ceiling is, and how much further they can go. So that that's going to be good to see. Uh, the thing about, about New Banks is, I mean, obviously he's got that corporate knowledge that we talk about a lot of time. It's one it's one of those things mm-hmm. where he's been in the system, and even when he has been with um, 
uh, a San Antonio who's been lost in he's been learning and picking up pieces and things like that. And so that's something that Jock will have to to kind of catch up on. Uh, Keldon, I, I I saw that also. I think that's great that he's he's working on more of his game. And I think honestly, this is kind of where you know he got his gold medal and. He played on the Olympic team, but I think the biggest part of that was him getting to compete every day in practice with, like, some of the NBA's best players, especially at that position. I think that's going to pay dividends, and so we'll start mm-hmm. to see that. And I think we'll – I mean, I'm expecting um, to see, you know, where that has has uh, benefited him uh, going into the season and how he can kind of take that next step because he definitely took a, a step last season, and I think he can do that again. Yeah, for sure. And um, so two two things I wanted to mention before we, we move on to our next topic is um, so number one was that we had discussed how, how maybe we thought the Spurs might add some some other players to the training camp roster. Well, it turns out they didn't. They actually kept yeah. the, the roster right at 18 players because we know that there's going to be a deadline we're going to talk about a little bit later in the episode that they have to get uh, the roster down to 15 players uh, on guaranteed deals and the two players on two-way contracts. And then also um, something else, uh, else that Josh and I discussed was Manu's role. Um, you know, now that he's going to be an advisor to the team. And so Coach Pop kind of exp- uh, expanded on, on, on Manu's role, where he basically said he's going to do all sorts of things on the court, off the court, maybe even do some scouting, things like that. And so one of the cool things to see was in Bryn Forbes' interview, I think it was on Wednesday I was watching, you could see Manu already, like, talking to Kelton one-on-one, and, like, you could just tell Manu's probably explaining something from the pick and roll, because, like, Manu was, like, his body action was, like, that of, like, setting a screen, and he was, like, showing his hand, you know, exactly showing Kelton, you know, where he should go around that, or, like, how much distance there should be. So, like, again, it, you're, it's already, you're already seeing Manu at those practices from from the media whenever they they, they show um, you know pictures and stuff and video from from um, those practices and Manu's already there and again like that's it, just such a good um uh, a player to to a former player to look back on for these young players to have you know just Manu Ginobili by their side and even somebody like Devin Vassell already said you know he's already started to pick pick Manu's brain and get kind of guidance from him and, and little strategies and here and there did you have any comments on that? Um, you know I just think it's a good thing I I, I think that um, making that. That signing that move was just like a something that I was hoping I w- we would see eventually, and I just think that the benefits of having him there. I mean, just like it's been with Tim and and the big guys before, and I think him having him there uh, is is just going to be really good for especially with these young players and allow him to work in in kind of a player development role. And and um, you know, I think you know any player would count themselves lucky to be able to. Uh, you know, lessons off of somebody that's obviously a potential or future Hall of Famer. Uh, so I think that's that's just a, that's a, a great. That's like one of the most like uh, maybe not a signing or or a, a move in a typical sense, but it's a, it's a big addition for sure. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for Week Four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, so now let's move on to our second topic here. And this is um, you know, an excellent article written by um, Zach Lowe. I do really encourage everyone to go read it. It's on ESPN. It came out on Wednesday. Mike and I are recording this on a Thursday. Uh, it's called um, Lowe, where Greg Popovich and the Spurs go from here. So Zach did a great job of really just breaking down the Spurs' current situation with this roster coming in to the season. And then he, he, you know, he does a lot here where he talks about their offense, their defense. He provides them some film analysis. What I really want to do is I just want to um, um, highlight some of the key um, you know, uh, uh, information that he, that he basically um, um, provided in this article and so there was some some key, some key takeaways here that I, that I want to uh, talk to Mike about here and the first one is um, you know coach pop's future Zach basically said in, in this article that you know speaking to, to some people you know around pop that that it wouldn't be surprising if, if not, not only this season but coach pop continues um, even next season to, to come back for uh, continue coaching basketball they basically don't know when he's gonna when he's gonna retire um, so he said you know uh, and, and even pop you know listen to his media day interview he's basically very excited he says about about this season uh, one thing that, that Zach notes is that you know whenever you ask um, whenever he's asked people you know who do you think is going to become the next coach if whenever pop eventually retires uh the, the three names that continue to come up the most are will hardy who's now in boston as an assistant coach brett brown who i don't believe is on any staff right now ever since um, philly released him and then also manu manu ginobili is mentioned as one of the most um you know likely uh, uh um people to become um the, the coach uh, if, if when pop eventually retires zach also mentioned you know becky hammond will also be in there too whenever that day comes that coach pop retires so what are your what are your thoughts mike on, on this this uh this news about not news, but just some little little rumors about Coach Pop and, and he, how he might continue going, but also some of some of the, the people that might um, succeed him. Yeah, I mean it's like uh, just a few years ago we were talking about maybe him, you know, fulfilling his Team USA obligation and retiring shortly after that. But it almost seemed like him being a part of that and and you know reaching the goal after you know the team has struggled. It kind of like feels like a challenge for him. Those and a challenge that he took on and. I feel like maybe it's rejuvenated him a little bit more, and so um, just looking into his his things like he answered on on media day and the way he answered, and just it just seems like a not like a completely different pop, obviously, but definitely something where you know I don't think he's in too much of a rush to get out there, and I think that when he does decide, I think he'll probably still stay around the franchise and you know a uh, front office or something like that. So. Uh, it just gives, you know, whoever ends up being a successor another year to learn from him. Um, you know, if that's Manu, it'll be his first year, you know, being in this kind of role of his Becky, and she's she's had quite a few years now, um, just like uh, Will Hardy and Britt Brown had before that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's still kind of a question mark as far as who's going to succeed him. But there's definitely a lot of really good options there, and uh, it doesn't seem like he's in too much of a hurry and I feel like he's going to take kind of this season as a challenge and he's going to you know try to take it on as a challenge kind of like he took the Olympic team on as a challenge and just to see the way he uh, kind of to see a different side of him was really cool and so uh you know I think that it's like I said I feel like you know he's got like new life into him as far as coaching goes. 
Yeah, I was basically asked about Coach Pop, you know, in his situation on another podcast that I was on. I was, I was a guest on, on a podcast called On the NBA Beat. And, you know, one of the things I said was, that, like, in a way, this is almost like a situation he hasn't been in. Like, like I don't know, at least at the NBA level, you know, when all those years, you know, being the coach of, like, Tim, Tony, Manu, Kawhi, all these players, he was always expecting you know, a championship or, or less. You know, that was always it. It was the very the highest expectations you could have. Like, the last time he was in a situation where he was, like, in charge of, like, a, a young developing team and only because of an injury was the year that, you know, before they got Tim where, where it was uh, when Derek, David Robinson got hurt. And so I really feel like for him, this is something new. You know, the Spurs aren't projected to, you know, when you look at Vegas, you know, the Spurs aren't expected to be a playoff team. Uh, they're not expected, to, you know, to be a contender. So it's like a, for him, it's like a new challenge. You know, what can I how, – how can I become – you know, get these these young players to, to develop and become like the, the best players that, or start guiding them on the path to becoming some, some better players than maybe they're just supposed to be, you know, just based on, on, on their projections. So I think that for him, yeah, it is exciting. You know, like I said, we, we both said earlier, you know, it's it's a wholly a totally different way of coaching the team too, just to, to play fast and really use the the, the, the young players their 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 speed and athleticism to, to their advantage rather than just you know having a, a go to player like they normally have. So I think that you're right. You know, this is this is the, he is more excited, I think, because it's like a whole new challenge and maybe a, a, a type of team that he's never that he actually hasn't coached yet at the, at the NBA level. So that I think that's why he he seems more rejuvenated so far uh, in some of these comments and, and and his and his kind of like his mood and everything at these press conferences. And then, of course, um, Zach did write about um, in this article about Ben Simmons and the Spurs is, um, um, you know, reaching out, to, reaching out to the Sixers about him. So, so Zach wrote that, um, you know, the Spurs did speak with the Sixers already. He says that the discussions didn't get far. Uh, he also mentioned how San Antonio did look into Laurie Markkinen and John Collins uh, this offseason. And then Bobby Marks, as of, as of Thursday, the day that you and I are recording this, he, he wrote a big piece on, on, on the Simmons um, you know, issue. And he basically like, put these tiers together of teams that are that have the best you know trade assets and, and, and best packages to, to offer the Sixers for Simmons. And the Spurs actually made the first tier. And the reason why Bobby says that you know the Spurs would, want to be, would be one of the better teams for Philly to trade with is because the Spurs, even though they don't have an all-star on the team, they do have a combination of young players and also picks, which is what the, the Sixers want. So, what are your thoughts on um on the you know uh, Zach man- mentioning Simmons here? Yeah, I mean it, it's definitely interesting, and you would expect that they do their due diligence here. But it, I think that there's are probably like trading lately with this, just because you know I don't know if they want to get involved into another situation. You know, I think kind of like the signs of everything that's going on with him in Philadelphia right now could scare a few teams off, and mm-hmm. the Spurs want to give up so much of their future because it's going to require multiple players and so you're really going to have to go all in on a, a major change to to the franchise and hope that you know you're making a bet on Simmons to be uh in San Antonio for the long term if not then you know obviously then you're in the same situation um and you are in now and then the same situation after uh they lost um Kawhi so I think that might be something that they're you know, show some caution and things like that. It's, I think it's just going to be a hard thing to pull off. And, you know, I just, I'm just, even just putting figures together and trying to figure out what would work. I mean, you're, you're definitely giving, give up a, a big piece in order to um, get someone of his caliber. Uh, and, and it doesn't seem like Philadelphia is going to, is in any uh, <laughs> mood to like switch their asking price or anything like that on him. Mm-hmm. So I think it's still going to be a lot to ask for. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, something else that that Zach mentioned was that um, some teams have called about. I don't know if it was just Philly or, or other teams also called about. Um, you know, the young players on the team. Just he didn't mention names, but we're assuming you know players like maybe Dejounte, Derek White, Lonnie Walker. You know, the young players Vassell. So he says that that the Spurs have been offered um, a single first round protected picks for those young players, but that they've rejected you know any kind of offers just of a, of a single first round pick for those players. And then the reason why I bring this up is because uh, Dejounte Murray was basically asked in media day. You know, how did you feel? You know, hearing your name in, in multiple rumors, whether it was for Ben. Simmons or you know, you know there, there, I remember there was a rumor right before the draft where like it, it was like Derek Dejounte and, and Lonnie are available you know teams teams know that or something like that anyway Dejounte basically you know kept it professional he just said you know I don't care because I'm somebody who understands the business part of this of this sport it's a business I try to have zero control of the front office anything they do he says I just focus on Dejounte Murray you could laugh joke about it if it happens it happens if it doesn't it, it doesn't so uh, what are your thoughts on, on you know th- this 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 rumor that Zach reported that that um, you know that teams offered first round picks for these young players and also uh, Murray's quotes yeah I mean I think a single first round pick is a lot to give up because you're, you're scrapping mm-hmm. um, a player that obviously they've or in a few players that obviously they've seen enough of to extend uh, and then not only that but you're also kind of scrapping the work that went into developing them over the last few seasons and so you kind of have to is that worth a, f- a first round pick and having to go back to the drawing board and develop another young player that may not be, you know, as as mm-hmm. ready, you know, as, uh, you know, they could be. I mean, obviously, anytime you bring up a player like Ben Simmons and DeJounte is considered one of the top players on the team, he's going to be mentioned in, in trade talks. And mm-hmm. a lot of people try to read into, like, his Instagram and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, it, just, it is what it is. It's, that's a part of, you know... Being a player in the league, you never really know what, what, what could happen, and it's a lot of it's outside of your control, so um, there's really nothing he can, he can do about it. And, um, you know, so we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. It's one of those things that, with the whole Ben Simmons thing, that, uh, you know, you would expect you would expect that it would have been settled by now, but I'm also kind of not surprised with the way things have turned, and it, makes, yeah. it could take a lot longer, and we could see where he's sitting out, you know, several games into the season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, of course, we'll continue to monitor the Ben Simmons situation here on the Spurs cast. Uh, now let's talk about Thaddeus Young, who Zach also wrote about. Um, you know, basically, uh, kind of saying what, what we've already we've already seen that's been reported is that contenders have inquired about about um, Thaddeus Young. Uh, Zach Lowe mentions that um, you know how how he. Thaddeus Young would fit really well with Phoenix, and we know that Phoenix is one of those teams that has had interest in in Young reportedly. Um, you know, we, we we discussed this type of trade package a few weeks ago on the Spurs cast, where we said it would probably be something like Dario Saric and Jalen Smith for Thaddeus Young. That would work, of course. That would put the Spurs back in this issue of like having to get rid of a player or two. Again, the same thing. Uh, and then also Thaddeus Young basically made it seem like um, at media day his quotes are a little interesting because it almost seems like he kind of knows that you know being a Spur is probably not going to be long term right now. So he mentioned that you know when he first got traded, he got the news. Um, about being traded uh, to, from Chicago to San Antonio. Uh, he didn't quite know that he was going to end up in San Antonio. He thought that maybe there was a chance he got to move somewhere else. And then he basically says that, you know, while he's here, he's going to be professional, but he's also, it almost sounds like he, he knows, you know, at any time there could be a trade going, uh, coming through for him. So like he said, here was his actual quote. He says, I am going to show up each and every day and make sure I am working and make sure I am bringing the guys along and getting them better as well. So he did say that. And, and you know, when you talk to the players what, 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 from what they've said, you know, they've said he's been, he's been very professional. He's been like, already like just in, immediately quickly inserting him as like one of the veterans on this team and everybody's listening to him and he's kind of putting things together and so um yeah i mean that's kind of what we expect is 
Young might get traded by by um you know by by October eighteenth. Uh, we we could see that happening, or maybe the Spurs take him into the season, and then before the trade deadline in, in February or, or March, whenever that's that's set, maybe maybe they try to move him at at that time. Something Colin Reed suggested. Uh, what are your thoughts on this um, this rumor about that, Young? Yeah, I'm with Colin on this one. I feel like it's going to take, and this is something we talked about. I want to say maybe like a month ago, uh, when the, a lot of that sort of started like trying to package something together where I mean obviously they've already got what seven is it 17 to yes uh, 17 players on guaranteed and they got to get it done to 15 yeah, by, by and so you should that he's done for two guys and then obviously then you're up to 18 and so it's just like mm-hmm. how much salary you're willing to eat and and you know who are you willing to to drop it's going to be hard to make something happen it, and obviously I'm sure they'd rather much other package him with a few players and send him over there for like a single player but then it's like who makes that kind of uh makes that kind of a contract and uh is it going to be worth more than you know that is young's value but i do like the way he's taken taken it it's got to be a hard situation and i think it's really mm-hmm. a hard situation on both ends because obviously the spurs we're going to lose tomorrow regardless so being able to get something back in return is always a nice thing, but then it's there's kind of like so much like you don't know. I mean, I I, I don't know if if uh, I think it took a while before we got like an official even release on on him, mm-hmm. and uh, you know for him he's got to wonder like okay so where do I fit in and what's my future like and for the team it's just like you know do you go through the hoopla of like introducing him on social media and all that just for him to be moved you know you never know when that's gonna happen so. Uh, but obviously, you know, he's a veteran and he's um, a professional and I like his attitude of, of trying to help the players get ready. And I think something came out uh, either today or yesterday about, about him talking about not coming to take Keldon's minutes and he's just going to try to help Keldon. And I think that's that's great. That's it's the one player in all of the moves that, and the one player that obviously has talked about being moved so much that I was always like, I would... I wouldn't mind seeing him stick around. Having some sort of veteran presence, I think, is a good thing. And um, he's obviously a player that can play a role. Um, so, that, but it doesn't seem like I don't know if that's in in the, in the plans at all. So, if anything, like I said and like Colin said, I think uh, around trade deadline, that's when things could start moving and and uh, get interesting. Yeah, I just feel like the more that time goes by that he's on the team, I think that it's going to be harder for Pop to want to let him go because I think that he's going to be a good player like immediately. Yeah. Like I mean, when you look at Profit X, I've talked about this before. Profit X has him as an impact starter right now. You know, that's just, this is why contenders, you know, t- teams fighting for the t- title want him on their team. Uh, that he's like a quality, really good player. You know, he does all those intangibles. Just a really good um, player, and so I feel like Pop's going to love that in him, and so he's going to like want him. You know, we're going to see him either as a starter, maybe off the bench if, if he continues in San Antonio, and then I think that once you know that trade highlight gets closer it's going to be tougher for pop to want to you know pull him if the team's actually doing pretty pretty well here so see so yeah, i think i just feel like yeah it's it's like you said mike it's not it's not it's an interesting situation for both and and the good thing is though that 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 Thaddeus young is is a very, very good you know he's a veteran he's a professional he knows he's handling it well and you know he's going to continue to like he said give it his give his all for the time that he is here uh you know even though we don't know how long that will be for uh, in san antonio and then the last nugget of information that came from the Zach Lowe article was that um, he, he did quite uh, mention that that if the Memphis Grizzlies can't figure out an extension um, this offseason with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., then the Spurs might be one of those teams to kind of maybe maybe keep an eye on if they, they try to go after Jackson Jr. next offseason because we know that the Spurs can uh, open up a, a, a good amount of cap space next offseason. So what are your thoughts on that last rumor? Yeah, it's, just, it's one of those, those 
I guess uh, when you watch the game and stuff, there's certain players that you feel like, oh, that would be a good fitter. That's a, a you know type of player whose game you like. And Jaron Jackson's game is one where I've always that I've always liked, and I feel could fit in with the, especially with players like uh, Dejounte and, and Derek and and Keldon. I feel like that's kind of like a natural. I mean, he's a younger player as well, so that that's definitely something that seems interesting. And obviously, Memphis is going to have to figure out what to do because, you know, they've got several players, uh, uh, I think Dylan Brooks, um, you know, they've got that, that mm-hmm. contract, uh, John Morant. And so they've got, they've got a bunch of young talent on that roster that they've got to kind of figure out what to do with and, and plan their future. And so it's one where it might get a little, you know, difficult. And so if they have that cap room, I mean, that would certainly be interesting, I think, because then that gives you kind of a closer look at, uh, you know, some pieces coming together for the future as to where right now you really don't know how things are going to take shape. I feel like that kind of helps um, shape everything a little bit better. So uh, there's just another player to keep an eye on as, uh, you know, just like we were talking a lot about uh, uh, Mark and uh, John Collins, this offseason, that's somebody that I feel like we're going to end up hearing a lot more about this season. Yeah, and I, just to, to quickly note, um, you know that that's something to watch. Is I, I don't know if the dates, um, you know, b- before the season starts or if it's um, like October twenty eighth or something like that. But there's a date coming up in this month of October. Now, you know, it's going to be October soon. You and I recorded this on September thirtieth, where not only Jaron Jackson Jr. but Lonnie Walker the fourth also. That's the last time that the, Sp- uh, that the Spurs and the Grizzlies can can offer each of those players uh, a, a contract extension. If not, they're both going to be restricted free agents uh, next off season. So again, that's kind of something interesting to watch. I, again, I don't recall the exact date. I, I believe it's either right before the season starts or if it's um it's it's like toward the end of october so that's just again something to watch for for for, for jaron jackson jr with memphis but also you know, with the spurs with lonnie walker the fourth for the for them to try to get an extension then that's the, that's the last day coming up so um thanks thanks again spurscast listeners for listening to this episode don't forget to visit projectspurs.com um and also subscribe to our, our youtube channel um it's um project spurs network tv so make sure you check that out and again you know this, the preseason's coming next and then so we're gonna have you know recaps analysis observations everything from the preseason games just we're gonna uh, you know, over on the site, so make sure you're checking out ProjectSpurs.com. Thanks again to Mike for joining me here on the Spurs cast and also for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.